0: So, again, just a reminder, uh, we're recording the Q&As, but if you're not comfortable with um, having your question recorded, just just say that, and we can pause it, or, yeah, we can basically pause it, so no problem. Um, Anyone, please? Yeah, Andrea. I have a
1: question (coughs) followed on from what Lawrence um, said at the last session, which is... um, his was more of a, a doubt of the, the process of the imaginal for him as a person. But um, this is more of a, a fear, really, about returning to the context of home. Yeah. Um, particularly as it relates to, you know, here seeing your own divinity with so much permission and so much love and support. And it's been hard, even then, at times. So to return to a place that just feels, in many ways, that it doesn't support this kind of work, how can we take courage and um, continue?
0: Yeah. Can everyone hear that? Yeah? hopefully we'll speak to that in uh, the closing day you know but um i th- the culture does not support that <laughs> in fact the culture probably thinks it's it's unhealthy and mad uh dangerous etc um if there's something in you that feels uh moved called to that vision of things, to or at least to moving in and out of that vision of things, then just like any practice it needs support. Um, I was just reflecting, you know, um, a minute ago, it's pretty amazing um, that we can come together for less than a week and all this stuff can happen, you know, and people having experiences and understandings and connecting things and, and you know struggling with all that um, which which kind of tells me it's more available it's, a lot of this stuff is more available than than we tend to think or assume <clears throat> I think the secret being off retreat and I'll will we'll repeat this is you need to be nourished okay now it doesn't mean 24 hours of every day every day of the week it means getting enough enough input of a of Different views, yeah. Because everywhere we look in society, this isn't the view that you're going to get. And we'll be talking about this in the talks uh, tonight and tomorrow night. You know, how does? What is the cultural view of self? What does the culture do with self? Um, And and that come, you know, that just we're inundated by that, surrounded by that, uh, ways of thinking. Uh, about the self pressures on the self the self is this it's not that it's supposed to feel this way and at the same time it's contradictory it's supposed to be doing something else so what's important i think is getting enough of another message and that could be through reading it could be through listening uh you know could be through um friends who are also interested in that and there's sharing and there's mutual back and forth and support and listening and and uh you know other, other people's ideas yeah um so that's one thing I think we underestimate um and this goes for all, all kinds of um uh, practice and and kind of you know opening to the mystical in its whole range it's like it needs a lot of support, but that support doesn't need to be continuous it need, just need little little openings little injections little uh short readings or whatever it is yeah um, <clears throat> and that goes for practice as well if we go back to the beginning of the retreat where I said, "I'm not emphasizing continuity. I'm not emphasizing um, focusing the mind, etc. What, what I'm emphasizing, or what I'm h- hoping to get instead is this sense of agility. And that means, in one's daily life, in the busyness, in the demands and stresses, there are little moments, little pockets in the day where it doesn't have to even be a, you know a half an hour, 45-minute hour sitting, little pockets in the day where there can be this shift of the way of looking, and that gets more and more agile. And absolutely do not underestimate those. I think we would be better if I could do a long retreat, it would be better. Not necessarily. Absolutely not necessarily. There can be these little moments and just become th- these shifts of uh, tapping into something imaginal, cosmopoasis, whatever, divinity in this, that, self. Um, they just become much more available, much more frequently available, much more accessible. And um, don't believe the assumptions of the mind that, that think they're not practice. Practice and and I, I, as I said, I emphasise the flexibility of the way of looking and the agility of of the movement of the way of looking over continuity for this kind of work and and actually also for insight work uh, as I would conceive it in terms of understanding emptiness etc. Does that so there's two two things and and I think they're really important. Yeah, um, I say one more thing. You know, um, should I say this or not? Um, maybe I'll say that the other thing in, the, uh, as, uh, you know, in the closing. Is that is that okay? Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> you can use the, the B word instead if you want. <laughs> that was my question. Really. Yeah. 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 For so I, I, me, all of this ah. is a real kind of deepening of that, mm-hmm. my reason for practice, yeah. which is the Bodhisattva. But it just feels, ah. yeah. Yeah. you know, that for the benefit yeah. of all beings. Okay. Did everyone hear that? Not really. Okay, so uh, Dai Jaiji is saying, um, I was making this thing, I'm not sure how much is actually edited out of the tape, so there was actually a whole talk about this distinction between self-intention and divine intention, and etc., but th- that's definitely not here, and I can't remember how, mu- how much, anyway, it will be on Dharma Seed. But, um, first of all about that, you know, um, there are maybe it it 's not either or it's not so black and white there's a there's a spectrum there and we move along that spectrum so um, at times or even periods of our life is it's totally appropriate to view the practice as for myself, for my growth, for my healing and and all that yeah, and other times um, uh, you know where where it's just flipped and and practice is about practicing for god not for the realization of god but for god for 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 you could say for bodhisattva i'd like to nuance a little bit an alternative to what you said as well so you could say practicing for the buddha or it's the buddha practicing or the buddha is creating the buddha through my practice god is making god through my practice um but but not too quick the the first thing is that there's a range and um we may People fall in different places, you know, so no one's forcing you to uh, be on this place or this place on a range, um, ever, yeah? So I just want to, it's like expand the possibility of the idea that there is a spectrum here. If someone's just hearing the idea, then a person can decide where they want to be on, on that range. So, yeah? Um, so. And and we move over years, we move, you know, it might be that a certain amount of healing is is necessary and a certain amount of, this isn't what you're asking, I know I'm just saying, I'm just setting the scene, um, a certain amount of healing and integration and um, uh, coalescing, if you like, or consolidation of self is is necessary before one can then kind of offer that up and let that go and see the whole thing from the perspective of um, the divine. Um, so that's the first thing. That's really for, for everyone. But um, in terms of, you know, I was like I'm really trying to keep this word divinity open, so that if if that's what works for you, great. Um, it, it's interesting that I've been using, we've been using the word God and divine more on this retreat than say Buddha or Buddha nature. But you you can think of them interchangeably. Even the Buddha nature has a range of meanings, you know. In the different traditions, people arguing about what it means. You you know that. Um, The thing I wanted to so 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 it's up to you, yeah. It's if that's what is alive for you, then go for it. You know. I I still think there's a difference. There's two distinctions that may be possible just to point out. And again, not say you have to do anything at all. We're just talking about possibilities. One is this thing about levels and dimensions. So, um, it, it could be that one is serving all beings or seeing one's practice in the service of all beings, but all beings is seen in what we're calling a kind of flat way, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it doesn't have this other dimensionality, the sense of what, what a being is or what a human being is and what exactly I'm serving when I serve a human being it's all it's a bit um you know what i would call modernist humanist it's just a bit flat now if that works for someone if that's what they dedicate their life to and that's meaningful to them and that's alive to a certain extent in their soul and that's that's what they want great absolutely wonderful so no i, I really don't want to get so you have to see it this way you have to see it that way but just in the language you used um, the language didn't communicate this sense of the beings. Now, it might be that that's there for you anyway. So, who is being served? Um, what is a human being? And who is the one serving? What is involved in, in the serving? Uh, or rather, what is what is, uh, what is the one serving? What is the Bodhisattva made up of? What comprises a Bodhisattva? Yeah. And that relates to the second thing, which is... Um, uh, it's a bit like, okay, if we put it in, in more Buddhist terms, it's like, I I might be meditating on a, on a tantric deity or something, or, or whatever, and my purpose can be to um, grow my qualities so that uh, I serve all beings. and And kind of just extending that a little bit, my purpose can be serving that deity, like... My practice is doing that deity's work. It's part of that. Um, and even like, who is it really who's doing my practice? It's the deity. Who is it really who's speaking right now? It's the deity. Um, so there's, you know, these are in, in 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 some respects these are really subtle distinctions. We're quibbling with words or something. But actually, it it there's a there's a range here of different, um, yeah, dimensions or or. Uh, the yeah, dimensions of, of how we're conceiving practice. Um, so it could be the Bodhisattva, the one whose aspiration is to serve all beings. It could also be the cosmic Buddha. It's not a Bodhisattva, he's already arrived. He's already complete. It's already the perfect Dharmakaya, manifesting in your images with the perfect Sambhogakaya, in the perfect Nirmanakaya, the perfect manifestation. And that doesn't mean one is then stupid and thinks that everything one does is, you know, Exactly appropriate and perfect, and no one can criticise me. There's there's a kind of multi dimensionality of the view in the moment. Here, there, listening, right now, looking, listening, is the Bhadra, is the cosmic Buddha, and it's also the fumbling, foibling human being. It's do, do you see? So does this? Yeah. Is there more or no? So. I really want to stress, um, but personally, what um, I, I find a little troubling is, is, is getting kind of told how to view things or only allowed a certain limited view. Um, and unfortunately, that's too common in our world. And it's even common in the Buddhist world nowadays. D- this or that, you know, different sects, sec- sects, secular Buddhism and all, all this stuff. It's almost like this is, this is the only view um what matters to me is that there's a plurality of views because people will their souls want different things need different things need different views and there are many people who are actually comfortable moving between views so even this aspect of of what we're, what you're asking about you can move between different views at different times and and in ha- and just have that spectrum of views it's like um you know it's like if we, if we, when we take the art metaphor, it's like if I say to you, you can only have one piece of art that you get to listen to, look at, or, or whatever it is. That's hard. <laughs> you know, we want we want a, a choice, we want a range, we want a range of moods, we want a range of all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Same with views. How does this sit? Yeah. Yeah. Between the kind of conceiving way of looking and believing. Yeah. And I'm trying to I want that to be really clear because I don't want to go there with believing. Yeah. But actually it's so Yeah. Um that also the whole thing about arrays was also in a talk that I that's not on this retreat, but but um it's really important, you know. <coughs> This has come up several times. This thing about the real, not real, and, and 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 the kind of it's the middle way in the Dharma. That's the middle the middle way, and um, two two things. One is my experience is that what seems like this really fine tightrope walking act between rarefying and and um, dismissing believing or denigrating, what looks like a razor's edge, this really razor thin, tightrope act, that the more we, um, either the more we understand emptiness, or the more we liberate that kind of artistic view of things that I was talking about, or certain philosophical perspectives, that razor's edge, which appears so thin, I can fall off one side or the other, it actually becomes a huge playing field. If, if I can find my entry into that middle way it, it actually opens up all the possibilities and doesn't feel tight at all it but all all I can say is and apparently there was one teacher whatever anyone asked him would just say more practice is required which is a, a little difficult but in a way I'm partly saying that um, spec especially about the emptiness piece the artistic piece is something that you know different people find their way into even before they understand the emptiness thing it's just a, it's a mode of being it's an artistic as I said, attitude or sensibility um, but also I would say you know um, you're gonna wobble one is gonna wobble then I've said this to several people the fact that you're asking the fact that you're cautious it shows the awareness. It shows the carefulness. It shows the care. It shows the um, alertness on the, on on the lookout. It's a healthy doubt. Yeah, um, you can wobble, and you can find your balance again. And you can wobble either way, you know, in a dismissal or an over-reification. I would say expect it to happen. It it because you've maybe felt like you've done it so much before, and then it was so painful or whatever, or it led to bad consequences. It's like this doubt the sincerity in your question that the sort of integrity and, and openness and vulnerability in your question it will it will prevent it being so extreme, but you will wobble you'll fall off that way and then you'll fall off this way and, and this, this micro thing it's okay you know you, you'll, you'll see it's not there are micro wobbles usually rather than this whole big lifetime of plunged into the abyss of reification or, or, or whatever um, do, do you see? So, I I hear the, the you know the caution and, and the vulnerability and the pain there. But, um, I could of course be wrong. But my, my sense is it's not dangerous in the same way because of all that care, and and it's almost like don't be afraid. Um. You, you, you know, as I said, it becomes not a tightrope act actually as as you get into it. But let's use that analogy when when the tightrope walker is learning to, to tightrope walk, they, you know, they get up on something this high and they're falling off thousands of times and it's part of the deal or what's, the, what's that thing about horse riding it's like you just have to learn to f- f- fall off or is that, yeah.
2: <laughs> I've never actually seen a horse but um, <laughs> <I'm just kidding.
0: laughs> um, uh, yeah, or bike riding or whatever it is you know, it's like it, part of the problem is the fear of, of, of the thing. And actually, you, you realize these these micro-falling one way and the other. Now, some people have a tendency to fall off more to the left, to the rarefication. And some people have a tendency to fall off more to the... Kind of nihilist dismissal of everything, but generally we just keep falling off. And as we go deep deeper, you could say, or get more experience with all this. A, we get less afraid of falling off. It becomes less of a sort of big life catastrophe. Sort of, I'm there for ten years or, or whatever. Um, and I can't remember what B was. Um, uh, we, you know, we, we recognize it, and it's less of a big deal, and we can just find our way again. That wasn't B, but. Anyway, that's um, d- yeah. So it, it's re- really important question, but m- m- my sense is is let yourself play, and uh, you know children playing, they fall over, it's fine, they get up, you know, it's it's yeah. Okay, um,
2: uh, Andy. And- Yeah. But then also recognizing that a lot of those renunciatory things can end up being kind of soul shrinking rather than
0: soul making. I'm wondering how to balance the two in a sensitive, productive way. Yeah. So Andy's asking what's the, um, you know, there's still this attraction to sort of more classical Theravadan style Buddhism with its renuncia- renunciation aspects and encouragement as well. There's the attraction to that and the attraction to this these other the things that we're talking about. And how to balance the two. Yeah. When you say renunciation, can you say what would be an example of that or I just do just mean something like um, so we
2: when you talk like attitude to sexuality for example, mm-hmm. which in terrible, Buddhism is not very well developed or thoughtful. And um what like, you know, to art or sense of pleasure but, um, to kind of political engagement. You know, it's like it's like trying to kind of love and care for all these things.
0: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah perhaps you are uh, <laughs> just kidding um, yeah um you know i I would go it's like one 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 way of approaching the question is is through fantasy or, or through the recognition of fantasy, so it's a bit like the other uh, question you asked in the other group you, you see um. The, the the renunciation is is not just a good idea it's actually alive for you as something that's attractive as a fantasy or a way of living do you, do you understand um, as is the artistic sensibility and the intellectual and the creative and, and all that yeah so you have as we've been saying several times in groups and and stuff you you are a multitude you you are there are lots of archetypal callings, pulling on your soul or inhabiting your soul, that's multiple blessings and it ain't easy, you know, because sometimes they just go like this and they pull in different directions, sometimes one goes quiet for a while and, and one is more dominant, sometimes they're just at the same time and it's not clear, you know, but um, one, one, one can have a life, I feel very much, one can have a life where actually all of this is included. But what partly allows that is, is the, <coughs> the sensing uh, some of these modes, let's say, the mode of renunciation, um, as as image, as archetype, and letting that image be alive, um, or the artist, or whatever it is. So I think I shared in some talks, you know, one, one image that's alive for me is the jazz musician. You know, I was a jazz musician for many years, so it's like and that's it, but that's an image that can live on. In me, and come up in all kinds of subtle ways, in subtle moments, um, without without me needing to give up everything and go and, and start practicing my instrument again and going out and being a professional jazz musician. You, you understand the the flavor, the Im, image, fantasy flavor of jazz music can come up with with nothing to do with music. It can be there. Also, the monk is is very live, and you know, for a period in my life, I was talking with someone else about this. I I was. I gave up music, I was on my way to, to the monastery to be a monk. Uh, Guy House kind of sidetracked me, and um, <laughs> I'm still here. And, uh, <laughs> hey! Um, um, <clears throat> no, I'm kidding. I changed my mind. Um, my mind was changed. Um, but but the, the archetype of the monk is still alive in me. And so, you know, the, these uh, it's a bit like Andrea's question, similar in the sense that you, you don't need a big Concrete chunk of time or a choice between a and B between black and white, left and right or whatever the the monk archetype can be alive for little moments in your day in such a nourishing way, so that that hermit, that renunciate, the love of that the, the fantasy of that is is beautifully alive, maybe in little actions, maybe in you know days of more silence or whatever, maybe in just um, just the small, the smallest little thing, like the smallest moment, and that's enough to nourish the soul. It's it's letting, getting out of the concretization of either or big life choices, and actually into the fantasy of of both. Whether it's art, literature, in your case, or or um, or, or the monastic, the renunciate, it's like actually both of them can live. When I allow the imaginal to come alive, if I don't, then everything becomes a choice between becomes so concretized, yeah? So that does, yeah, that's one way of approaching the question, is actually allowing it to have more imaginal depth and breadth and richness, allowing these pools, you know, and these attractions, where there's meaningfulness for us, where there's attraction, eros, in this case, the eros of attraction to the, the Theravada sort of archetype, and, and where there's meaningfulness, where there's eros, where there's soul making, where there's beauty, that means it, there is an image operating there, or several images that are alive, and, and you can. Um, it's helpful to recognise that and let them become alive. Yeah, and then and then we have much more freedom, much more depth, much more nuance with the whole thing. How does that sound? Yeah. Well, a lot of this. Go on. Yeah, well, one one of the two things. One one of the reasons, like I said, I, I left the states. I left the music. Sold. Actually, didn't sell. Gave away everything. But um, uh, and as, and wanted to be a monk. And um, part of the reason for deciding not to was realizing you didn't need to. I didn't need to. Um, if, if you say, I have to be a monk to realize the unfabricated, I have to be a monk to realize the depths of emptiness, etc., I don't think that's true. Um, practice is, is, you know, the, the fruits of practice are available to us if we practice, you know, with our hearts, with dedication, with intelligence, with, with practicing in ways that, that, that liberate. So we can also practice in ways that don't liberate spend lots of time with every earnest, heartful dedication. I'm just going around in circles. or just hitting a brick wall. So it's really, you know, I don't think you need to be a monk. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, well, I don't think one needs to be a monk. I don't think, actually, personally speaking, I don't think you need to be a monk. But um, uh, <laughs> It's because I know him, I can say that. But, um, uh, uh, so that, you know, that's, that's, it's not, you know, don't necessarily buy, buy the hype. Um, and then the second thing, what you touched on, is is about permission. I know it was kind of a joke, but but in a way, um, just saying something serious about that. Catherine and I were talking. It's like a lot a lot about this kind of retreat, and maybe you felt it already. Is actually giving permission to uh, ways of seeing, to sensibilities, to things that are in us, giving le- legit legitimizing and giving permission to. And that's partly why it's good for people to come to Q&As and groups, because you actually see, oh, that part of me that I was a bit quiet about is is actually um, shared, recognized, celebrated, it exists in others, you know, all that. So um, I'm just pulling that word permission out and kind of saying something bigger about it, yeah. Attempt, yeah. <coughs>
1: My question is about uh, religious ecstasy.
0: Uh huh. I'm
1: just going to name the fact that I'm very frightened right now. So it's frightened
0: just, to ask her.
1: Mm, nervous, so I can just put it down. Okay. okay. So um. As I shared with you this morning, Rob, um, a lot of this retreat is very familiar, but it's gone really, really deep. So I'm kind of fortunate and blessed to be quite primed to lots of the things that we've been doing. Mm. They're very alive in my practice, like having a love-being, and. elements practice and cosmic kind of love surrounding uh, energy bodies, mm-hmm. um, mantra, these are really in my life. <coughs> However, the effect of the, the way that you and Catherine have offered these things to us Has caused me to have numerous experiences Um, I want to say I want to be brave and go there I want to say cosmic orgasms and I don't mean physiological and like not consciously at the time but like looking back and saying oh I was I was enlightened for, for a few minutes there and things like that what I would like to understand is that I don't feel that I'm gonna be grabby or graspy of these experiences, and I have no idea because I can't read the future if I will experience them again at home. However, if I go home and find that I can, They might be dangerous or cause, um, trigger my potential to have psychosis or mania or like feelings of, um, what do you call that, like, vast bigness, like uh, self aggrandizement. Mm -hmm. Please, will you help me understand how I can...
0: Modify them or something. That's not a very good way. Okay. Um, <clears throat> uh, so, two things maybe I would say. Um, one is it's a bit related to. Uh, you have to see what we're doing in the context of, a, of of the big of a bigger path, like you understand? So when Catherine was talking about the black that surrounds the flame, you know, that black is cooling. one of the original meanings of Nibbana is cooling. It's cool it means cool that's one of the meanings, it means cooling. So um in a way, you know, people are people are very This what I say, I think teaching group retreats is a crazy business. I mean, it's like there's so, there's so much diversity and people are in what they need and this personality and that person, all that tendency. And, um, and it's all wonderful, but some people um, need to gather the resources of, of cooling, of calming, of equanimity, as well as the resources of kind of a steadiness of love and, and steadiness of, you know, yeah. So... So it might be that one of the things for you to think about, not not instead of all this, but alongside it, is is also gathering, developing the access to coolness, to space, to equanimity, and that kind of thing, because that will balance things. That's, that's, that's one thing. So that, you know, it's really about having a vision of the breadth of practice. So this morning, this is asking a lot. There's a lot involved to really... Um, have available the pi- the picture that we're presenting and different people it's almost like we'll need to develop this a bit more or that a bit more or this first and then that or so you have to kind of know also what your tendencies are now you're speaking them so so one of the things is yeah more um more access to coolness steadiness equanimity a kind of um, more spaciousness of perspective rather than wow here 's that amazing thing, and i 'm just lost in it yeah so there 's a kind of what comes is a kind of balance, a poise, and the flame can still be there, but it 's not just this way or then blown out completely and then burning every, everything yeah you know? so that 's one thing just to think about um, the kind of practices and the kind of reflections and attitudes that give that help you access more of that. Cooling spaciousness that gives you equanimity and steadiness. Yeah? Um, second thing is um, re- relates to what we've been talking about together about putting the divine healing energy that you're feeling, making sure it contacts the dukkha. And that sometimes means del- even when you're feeling great, deliberately bringing up the dukkha, the memory of the dukkha, and putting it right in the middle of that lovely bliss feeling and just letting that wash over, letting the two come into contact And the more you do that, the more the, more the sort of uh, extremes of our existence are kind of um, you know, they meet, they, they start integrating more yeah, so we've talked about this, that would be a second thing and the third, just for now, just the third thing might be um, and it goes back to this question of real and not real, you know, and I, I don't know what else to say about that um other than i I feel that you know it's not the extremity or the intensity of bliss or vision that's dangerous it's not that it's it's the that's real now and either identifying oneself this is now this is who i am um and or that's exactly how things is this is now the reality it's it's the realism that's the problem and what i was talking with someone else you know often what happens as uh, is is we don 't realize that the realism is is happening we 're unaware what what's, what have I made real at this at this moment, and it could be a certain vision of the world or it could be myself when i 'm in this state I am that and i 'm so um, kind of uh, what 's the word you know entranced or captivated enchanted in in not such a good sense with, with that, that i don 't realize there 's too much realism in it. Um, how one moves, you know, to let go of realism without falling into a dismissal and as, ah, oh, it's all rubbish, waste of a week at Gaia, waste of a, could have gone to, you know, Torremolinos or whatever. You know, it's like, it's again this poles thing. So there's something, there's something about finding this middle way. Right now I just can 't think of anything else to say about that, but that that's an important at least having it as an awareness of, of something of where i what i can what the mind can tend to do it's not just you it's it's the human mind it's the, it's consciousness um, and just being aware of that and then looking for it sometimes so there's a way that just when we 're talking about art there's a way that these practices and these openings of perceptions can have immense power to heal to move us to uh, give beauty and everything, and just like art, they don't have to be real to do that. They don't have to be believed. So the the, the power—that's why I made the artistic analogy. The power is in that, and and, um, but but you might be on the lookout, you know, gently for for this kind of grasping realism thing. So that would be a third possibility. Yeah. Okay. And I don't want to neglect this side, John. Yeah.
3: Um, thanks so much for your teaching this morning about um, mit, mitzvot. Uh, yeah. You said commands. K- yeah, mitzvot, yeah. And um, <clears throat> blessings, which really spoke to me. Good. It kind of tied in with a worry I had about, I think it was your last time I talk, what you said at the end, which maybe I misunderstood, uh-huh. I'll say what it was. It was about pragmatism. Uh-huh. So you, sort of, you said something about pragmatism, and then you talked about the sacred, the profane, or maybe the other way around. Uh-huh. And the thing it feels to me is that with that, that the mitzvot of the washing the hands yeah. and the blessing, the yeah. blessing sanctifies it. Yeah. It's not just a useful if I understand what you mean by practicing correctly. Uh-huh. It's not just that the that the action, that the the commandment, the, um, the good deed is is a convenient way or a useful way you, you can't, i can't I feel I can't be instrumental about it. Um, a useful way for what? Well for anything. It's it is in itself holy. Yeah. It's, it yeah. it's real. Yeah. That's and so yeah. I just wonder if you could explain what you meant by
0: pragmatism. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think um, I think if I remember um, it was particularly in the context of um, Uh, circumscribing the sacred as separate from the profane. So that, for example, going on pilgrimage, is it that, that place there is a holy place I will go into on pilgrimage to from my ordinary place where I live or, or whatever. Um, or, uh, or, or this retreat space is a sacred space, or this <coughs> temple is a sacred space, as opposed to profane space. Yeah, And so sometimes what you get is teachings that say um everything is sacred and in a way that's where we want to go t- towards seeing everything is sacred but sometimes sometimes we want to jump there straight away and we just say everything is sacred but quickly that just kind of dissolves into a mush where actually nothing is sacred so so the pragmatism is really in recognizing that the skill of 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 circumscribing certain things as sacred so you know the the biblical temple, that or the temple in biblical times, was sacred. It was definitely. It's not that the rest of life wasn't, but it's like it's it's a sacred place, and um, and the Torah scroll is sacred, you know. So there's something, um, you know, and then and in Kabbalistic teachings and, and Hasidism and things, the 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 encouragement is to see everything as sacred to re- redeem it in that sense, but the the sort of more intermediate step is, is saying their sacredness, their sacredness, so you enter into a different relation, or when you do ritual you're actually creating something, so creating a taste of the sacred and uh, that serves a purpose, a sort of I, I won't even say intermediate purpose, but intermediate in the, in the sense of on the way to seeing it everywhere it every, yeah? so that's all I meant at that point by pragmatism Yeah,
3: I think I understand now that i am actually misunderstood the word circumscribed, I think I thought you were talking we could kind of just jump over the sacred Whereas to me, maybe what, what I should have understood is, is it's some um,
0: yeah. sanctification uh, of the sacred Exactly. Sacred. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thank you. Umpo, yeah.
4: Uh in excuse my English, uh in uh, seeing all things as divine, uh especially the Kilesas, yeah. uh, and the the images of the divine we have. Are all kind of these uh, the light gods.
0: The light gods, yeah. yeah or the nice, nice guys. Yeah. <laughs> Even though they
4: might have a fierceness in their
0: compassion or whatever, yeah. they're not the
4: dark gods you've mentioned uh, many times already. So could you, and, and it feels like uh, for me to see the ordinary and the nice things as sacred everywhere around me, it, it, it requires that I can see the dark. Side of things
0: that's sacred as well, otherwise, somehow, there's a it doesn't go as deep, yeah. With the light, yeah, light stuff. yeah. Uh, so, could you say something about the dark um, gods? Unless some, there's a talk coming, unless what? Unless there's a talk coming on the subject anyway. I honestly can't remember what's in there, um, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know. You <laughs> um, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, now you say, I, I remember mentioning that. Um, I, I do, honestly. It's in one of the one of the two coming. So, um, again, people are different with this. So souls are different. Souls have different resonances. Souls have different callings. You know. Um, and also souls have different ways of developing, we could say. So some people, um, as you're saying, I can't really kind of get as much as I could from the light gods unless I integrate the dark gods. Other people, you know, um, they they need a lot of time with the light gods. It heals something, it reassures something, it settles something, it opens something. And then maybe at some point there's 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 a, there's a there's a capacity to integrate the dark gods. So people are different. What you're saying, someone else might be like uh uh-uh. uh and, and they may not even be ready to hear about dark gods. It's like it's not just it just it just won't fit. Or it disturbs them because it um, because of things that have happened in the past or wounds or stuff that it's too similar to that, or because of cultural conditioning that they just can't see through. All, all kinds of reasons. So first of all there's a there's a difference. Um I think when I started teaching about the Imager, I, w- I was very much emphasising the dark gods, and partly, um, partly, I just find a lot of what I, I teach to be a response to the context around me. Which, as you say, it's, it's all this. So it's like, well, hold on, hold on, what about this, guys? You know, what about this that we're missing? Um, what, what, what do you need about it now? Like, what, what are you kind of asking? And like. Because you just said, could you say a bit more? Which I, I could say lots, but but can you like? What is it that you're needing? Just just that, uh, there's a lot of uh, nice experiences with the, with the light touch yeah. as we
4: treat yeah. personally as well, uh, but there's there's moments. Where are more active. Yeah. There's more, or or it comes in the analytical mind, kind of just kind of uh, it comes on uh-huh. about about. And, yeah. and, and it's uh. And then there's the sense, there's this, the sensibility kind of grows, or the kind of sense to that, that something's missing. Yeah. I, I can't say much more about. Yeah. Yeah. Like some, some some of the of the of all the loveliness around here could be could be more could be cooler. Yeah with the dark side was more.
0: Yeah. So you're asking how to make that connection? Is yeah. Yeah, OK. Uh, good.
4: Uh, basically, because, because the images we have and the images that I naturally or I, I feel like uh, are coming on to me don't include those. Yeah. And I think it's more of a, con- a question of
0: conditioning and less of a of Ye- meaning. Or less of a what? More of a question of, of
4: conditioning, of kind of receiving those as, mm-hmm. as readily.
0: Receiving witches, really, the dark gods. Yeah, yeah, sure, It it is. And, and it's a question of culture and assumptions and all, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff. Um, we, you know, culturally, for thousands of years, we don't really have a place for the dark gods in the Western culture, you know. I mean, what happened historically was um, a lot of gods were sort of amalgamated into the Christ image, and other gods, like... Uh, Aphrodite was more if you could say sec, you know, sexuality as sacred, it got um seen as a demon, you know. So culturally in the wider culture, also Gaia House culture, um, uh, we 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 tend not to, or Gaia House as an institution tends not to really go there and talk about that and include that or sanctify that or recognize the sacredness of the dark gods. Um and, and again that's part of the reason for some of these teachings on this retreat um as it, in contrast just personally in contrast to the sort of last few years where i've been saying a lot about dark as i feel like it's more uh, been a little bit more towards the light sort of thing um but um how in terms of how to do it um, y- it might be just in, in imaginal practice, like just be open to the diversity of images. You know, a, a dark god involves um, a dark image, and dark in a very loose sense here, um, You know, things like sexuality, things like um, rage, or certain kinds of suffering, or loneliness, or some kind of what might be regarded as pathological element. And it's like those, those images, um, if you like, are darker. Does it make sense? So so you can just be open in your imaginal practice, and they will come. Otherwise, you wouldn't be asking the question. They're, they're part of what you need. They, they will come as images. And it's again, it's always a sense of like, okay, the mind is, not in your case, but maybe the mind is saying, oh, I don't know about this one. It's not, you know, it's this or that, or it's not holy or whatever, or it's just my kilesas. In a way, part of the, the potency of giving, giving a bringing imaginal work alive and letting it do its soul-making function is just, just, I'm saying this to everyone now, just, just um, granting a little bit of trust to the image. My mind doesn't, I'm not sure if I can trust this, just, just give it a little bit of trust, just give it a little bit of, just the beginnings of belief that there might be something holy here, there might be a treasure for me, there might be something um, th- th- that's asking something of me. And that's enough to, to inject life and potency into the image. And then it can start doing its work. And some of these can become you know, really beautiful um, soul-making um, uh, uh, divinities you know, available to the soul. Absolutely. Um, and the other way around is actually, so one is just op- more open in imaginal practice and they will come. Um, or, you know, as you shared before, it's like what moves you, uh, perhaps a painting that you see or a work of art and a character from that that's more dark, if you like. Um, a second way is through, an, as you said, through an emotion or through a bodily energy that comes up. Um, were a longer retreat, we'd probably talk much more about desire and eros and that kind of thing, but it's, you know, what is it, again, to, to feel that and to allow it in a way and and even just entertain the possibility as an idea. There's something holy here. It's not just an impurity, just a kilesa, just greed, just dirty, sensual desire. You know, Just, just having that attitude l- liberates it a little bit. Um, so, so one way is through, through things that are rising, <coughs> and the other way is through images, and just being open to more images, a range of images. Is that OK? Are you sure? You said you could talk. <laughs> okay. So let's let's keep it. Okay, doke. Um okay. And uh let's have um let's have just a minute of silence here. Yeah.
3: Thank you for listening.